0: I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it doesn't. AM 1320 WDSN presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa.
1: Tell, can you tell Matt Costa that uh, most of the shows that operate here at WBSM are, are single host and slash producer programs? Because the WBSM live promo book kept me from being able to see the board. Uh-huh. So I like didn't know when my mic was on, when my slider was up. Is it up now? It or is. Is that okay?
2: Everything should be okay. I can't
1: hear anything over that guy in Fun 107. He's crazy. I can it's still a- hear him. I'm pretty sure that the the stuff he's saying is going to bleed through to our broadcast, and we're going to we're going to get an FCC fine. Right. And he's just talking; it's a casual conversation. He's having fun. <laughs> so, she but he had he had the door already it. open for us tonight, so we can't complain. And plus, we've discovered the coffee machine here at WBSM. Coffee machine? Yes, it's fifty cents. <laughs> That's today's economy. You know, when I first started doing radio here at WBSM back in two thousand two, coffee was free. There's a coffee machine back there, and there's yeah. always coffee. You can make it yourself. I'm sure gone. that tastes
2: better than the free coffee. I'm though. sure
1: it does. It's
2: <laughs> Although you can't
1: beat a free cup of coffee. As, as you know, because you go know. to Building 19 just for that. I do. So, what do we talk about here? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever crosses our mind. Good evening. Welcome to Spooky South Coast. I am Tim Weisberg, and with me is the silent assassin, Matt Costa, and uh, we are here tonight to talk with you about the paranormal as we are each and every Saturday night. Joining us in just a few minutes on the phone will be Annette Martin. And uh, you've seen her all over television. Uh, the Montel Jordan Show, uh, the Today Show, Montel jo- Montel Williams Show. <laughs> this is how we do it. <laughs> this is not how we do it. Uh, anyway, the Montel Williams Show, uh, the Today Show, many other programs. And, and she works very closely with Lloyd Auerbach, who uh, is a friend of the program as well as just many different police uh, detectives and and different uh, police departments trying to solve crimes using her psychic abilities. And, of course, uh, she'll also take some calls later on. So if you'd like to have a a free psychic reading through the magic of radio, stay tuned because coming up in the second hour of the program, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to open up the phone lines, and you can call in and talk with Annette, and, and she'll see if she can get anything. Now, I've heard her on a few programs, but I've, I haven't heard her actually doing readings. I've only really heard her talking about herself a little bit um, and about her career. But uh, it'll be interesting. Whenever we bring a psychic onto the program, and, and it's rare that we do, but when we do bring one on, we try to bring somebody who has a proven track record uh, somebody who has made numerous connections in the past for people that we rely on and trust their opinions. Uh, and also at the same time, sometimes you like to grab people kind of at the beginning of their career, kind of unknown psychics. Uh, people who kind of, you know, grab our attention a little bit and we say, well, let's try and see what happens when we expose them to a bigger audience. And, uh, w- with that in mind, you know, if you ever have any kind of predictions, any kind of, uh, visions that come to you or anything that's uh, kind of whispered in your ear and you want to share it with us, you can email us at SpookyCrew at spooky com. And, of course, I'll keep all those emails. So if you make a prediction and it ends up coming true, you know we'll be able to back it up. And uh, speaking, you know, it's, it's kind of like psychic back-to-back weeks because next week mm-hmm. we're going to have Dr. Lewis Terry here on the program taking calls as well. So it's kind of unusual for us. It is. What, what's wrong? It, uh, why, why are we doing wh- this? Why so? didn't we
2: foresee this?
1: <laughs> Why, but, I mean, is it, is it, are we getting lazy and we just don't want to talk, so we want to just have psychics on? Because you know when they're on, the phone lines just light up. I think it's just, we don't, um we haven't really devoted a lot of time
2: to it. So.
1: And it's something that there's a, a big call for. It just I mean, kind of fell
2: together, we didn't realize it.
1: How often do we get, well, we were pushing Dr. Turi off a That's couple of weeks too because of, uh, NFL football, but, I mean, how, how often though do, do we get emails from people saying, you know, if you can get this this psychic or if you can get this medium or if you can get mm-hmm. this person you know i'd really love a chance to talk with them and that's a great thing about radio is you know annette martin she's i'm sure she's got a a long list of of uh regular clients and she has her business and she takes phone calls from people and does readings that way. you know what i mean so she's she's got a business she uses her abilities um to counsel people, and, and a number of of other psychics do that as well. And we don't begrudge them that no more than we would, you know, somebody who studied for however many years to get a psychiatry degree or psychology degree, you know, they charge for their services. And, and a good psychic is is something along the same lines. You know, they're there to kind of counsel people and to advise people, but instead of doing it based on their knowledge of the subject matter uh, of mental health or uh, based on their experiences in, in the you know in the field of mental health and instead they're using their abilities to kind of provide that guidance so mm-hmm. you know, we we never begrudge anybody the opportunity to charge but at the same time it's nice when you can get Especially some of these bigger psychics, these, these more well-known psychics, like Annette Martin, like Rick Hayes, like Dr. Lewis Terry, to come on a program like this and kind of offer at least a few minutes of their services, uh, to the listeners. Because what it does is it, not only does it give the listener something, but it kind of reinforces the abilities that the guest has. Yeah. so that it makes them more likely to get some phone calls. It's, it's one of the things, that's w- when you look at it, when I look at radio, and I study radio, as you know, I, I listen to a lot of different talk programs and see what goes on. Uh, I think that, and, and we can talk with Annette about this to see if it's true, but I think that when somebody with psychic gifts appears on a radio show and gives out an hour's worth of free readings, I think that's more beneficial to them as, in the form of their business than it would be if an author came on and talked about his book. Uh. You know what I mean? It's just, you get that kind of instant impression on people, and then the next thing you know, they're calling up and booking an appointment with you for a full hour. Yep. And so it's just, when you look at radio, I think, it's, that's the reason why you see so many of these programs. I mean, even Fun 107. You know, they, they, they have, they play top 40 music all the time, but they have time that they set aside every week to talk to the Celtic cricket. You know, there's always like a chance for, for a radio, exchange with a psychic every week on different programs and it's good it generates listeners it generates calls and it helps their business so it it kind of goes under the auspice of you know we're here to help the community help the paranormal community of course you know every once in a while you might find a, a shoddy psychic who <laughs> goes and, and throws everything in the tank. But that is not the case tonight because we'll be talking with Annette Martin, who is one of the best. And, of course, we'll take your calls all night long, uh, but we are going to reserve the readings portion of the phone calls until the second hour. But uh, we will take your calls at 508-863-3763. Um, three, that's the wrong number. 508 508 I'm giving out the phone number for Power Relations. That's what's happening here. So uh, 508-996-0500, 508 And if you'd like to email us, Crew at spookysouthcoast.com. That's the best way to get a hold of us. I've emptied the inboxes, okay? I, after a whole week of people like calling me and emailing me my other email addresses and, and cornering me on the street and basically telling me your inbox is full, you got (laughs) to empty that stuff. Uh, I'm sorry. You know, we only have so much space that we're allotted for our SpookySouthCoast.com emails. Um. And if ever you have trouble getting a hold of me through that, Tim Weisberg at Hotmail.com. It's all over the Internet is my alternate email address. Just find any one of my columns from the Standard Times. It's always at the end of every one of those columns. It's, uh, it's right on my blogs, my sports blogs at SouthCoastToday.com. But if you ever need to get a hold of us, you can always use that. But the Spooky Crew inbox, that was full. My personal inbox, that was full. And there was a number of great emails that we missed. Uh, So uh we apologize. We are working too, by the way, on getting the podcasts out. So everybody that keeps uh letting us know that they're anxiously awaiting them, they are coming. But remember there's only a few. We've we've only got like three or four because we weren't on the air for a few weeks. So what do you say we take a break, Matt? When we come back, we'll talk with Annette Martin. Works for you? All right. So we'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. (laughs)
0: from the studios of AM 1420 WBSN
2: into the night
0: and beyond. Here's more of Spooky South Coast.
1: All right, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa. Matt, we got an email this week from somebody who wanted to know why you're called the silent assassin. So uh, I think we should address that issue right off the top here. You are the silent assassin, because normally... Yep. You're too busy to to join in the conversation. I mean, it's it's different when Matt Moniz, our science advisors, is in here because I make you talk to me <laughs> because I'm lonely. Yep. But generally, you know, you're you're just over there doing all the production stuff and and the way you slice and dice audio and the way you make all those bumpers and everything that we hear here in the program. You know, one day one day I just kind of set it off the cuff. Yep, and then it stuck. And it stuck. And then so you right. got sued by the rapper who actually calls himself the Son of the Sex, Is right? there a rapper called I thought I don't know you told me you told me you found somebody that calls himself the song assassin yeah well I think you have a, a copyright claim there That's all right well we'll be talking with Annette Martin in just a second but first we do have a phone call here and on the line and I feel bad you know making her her wait an extra minute part of what we do here on spooky South Coast is we want to talk to the local audience about their experiences and this is a caller who's uh, going to share with us some of that so let's go right to that line there all right good evening you're on spooky South Coast how you doing
3: I'm doing great. How about you? Uh,
1: we're spectacular, as we say here. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so you were saying uh, off the air that uh, you're from Lakeville and that you had something that you wanted to share with us.
3: Yeah, uh, quite a few things, but you probably don't have enough time for all the things I have to say. Um, I live in Lakeville. I've lived in Lakeville for ten years. In the first seven years, um, I lived uh, extremely deep in the woods on the backside of Long Pond. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I, I'll start by saying that um, I, I am an empath. I'm half Blackfoot Indian, half Sicilian, and um, I pick up on things very quickly. And this particular area, um, I had a lot of strange happenings going on. Um, for instance, one night I woke up in my bed and sat up, and there was somebody sitting in my chair hmm. um, just staring at me. And I tried to make conversation. I got no conversation back, and they just continued to sit there. I rolled over. I went back to sleep, well, pretended to, come back up, sat up. They were still sitting there. Now, this was just a um figure, but it was definitely a human figure sitting in my computer chair. Um, I... Uh, decided after all the happenings that were going on at the house to to make a few phone calls and one of the persons that I contacted was the uh, was John Zaffis good friend of the show oh
1: yeah
3: and uh, he came down to the house and we had a very nice conversation he agreed that there was um some problems there and and things kept happening and uh I wound up calling another organization who I I will not mention because I was very displeased with their professionalism and um Decided that I should just keep my mouth shut and um, go about this on my own. So for the past 10 years, um, I have been uh, walking in those woods at night by myself, mm-hmm. and I have been taking photos. I have accumulated over 10,000 pictures of some very, very strange stuff uh, apparitions, um, demonic uh, looking things. Um, uh, Native American Indians, um, we would have uh, people or things knocking at our door. Now, like I said, this was way out in the woods, and believe me, at 12, 1, 2 in the morning, there's nobody out there knocking on my door. Um, so I would just basically open the door, flash a picture, and close the door. And I'd always get some. I'd wake up with the house um, completely dark, grab my camera, walk to the door, walk outside, flash the camera, and have numerous photos of the house completely surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of spirit orbs.
1: Well, it sounds like you've definitely got some, <laughs> some uh, spiritual activity going on there. Of course, being close to the Bridgewater Triangle and part of the Bridgewater Triangle, uh, that doesn't surprise me. Now, I, I have your email address because uh, I do have the email that you sent me. And uh, what I'll do is I'll contact you uh, off the air, and I'd like to try to set something up for a, a time when you can maybe come in here to the studio before a show, maybe show us some of the stuff that you've you've uh, you've accumulated, and then maybe we can make a plan. Um, you know, maybe when the weather's a little warmer. But uh, for our spooky South Coast with Matt Moniz and and maybe a few of our other friends in the area to kind of come and and work work on that with you as well.
3: Oh, that would be fantastic. Um... One one story I would like to share with you. Okay. Um, be- before you um, cut me off here, um, one particular evening it was a little after midnight. Um, now I lived there with my um, my teenage daughter. She was about 13 at the time, and um, she was asleep. So I grabbed my camera and, as I usually do, I tramped off walking out in the woods. Now, when you went behind the house and, and you kept walking, there was a stone wall. Uh, out in the middle of nowhere, which that's how they marked their territory back sure, then. Yeah. I guess the settlers and stuff like that. Um, just after that stone wall, this very, very huge tree had fallen, and the roots were exposed, and these roots were taller than I was, and it had one root that would come out and I would sit there and i would I would meditate and I would ask, you know if there's anybody here, you know would they would they please show themselves and and, and all that stuff. Uh, well, this one particular evening, I felt this this cool breeze go by me. So I looked to my left, and I didn't see nothing. I turned around, and right in front of me, big as life, was an Indian in full headdress, all the jargon, and just standing there looking at me. I asked, "Who are you?" and, and "My name is, you know, so and so." And he just pointed towards my cottage. Mm-hmm. So I tried again. I asked, who are you? And he again pointed towards my cottage. So I finally got the hint and I walked back to my cottage and when I turned, he was gone. I got to the cottage. My daughter was sitting up on the edge of her bed and I looked at her and I said, honey, what's wrong? And she said, I just had this dream that there was, this land was all covered with with Indians, and, and they were fighting, and, and people were dying, and there was this, this Indian chief, and he was trying to tell me that these are my people, and they're dying, and, and, and there's nothing I can do about it.
1: Wow. So you think... So I,
3: I told her to you know go back to bed. She didn't remember anything the next day. But I had just seen this Indian chief. You, you... So the Indian chief was using my daughter to tell me why he was there.
1: Do you think you had an actual encounter with King Philip himself?
3: I have never met the man, so I couldn't tell you. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's
1: uh, we've heard many reports in this area of people encountering Native American spirits, but nobody, at least that I'm aware of, has had any kind of direct um, connection with Medicom or or King Philip, as he was known to the English. Okay, now here's the
3: thing. Um, On Thanksgiving of 2003, um, my daughter and I had our dinner, and we decided that we were going to have a fire outside because it was it was a reasonably nice night, and I had a fire ring all set up and, and you know, the the stumps to sit on, so I went out, and, and I got into the woods, and I got limbs and stuff, and I built a fire, and before I lit the fire, I invited all the spirits in and, and telling them that this was a celebration for them because, in fact, this was their day. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, I had cameras already set up, and I got a photo of that same Indian that I saw in the woods.
1: Well, that's one among other things that are
3: extremely strange. But he was one of the ones that were there.
1: We definitely want to see that photo when you come and show us some of your what you've uh, gathered. Well, Well, I
3: will. I will tell you this. This is Tim. Yes, Tim. I will tell you this: the photos that I have are unlike anything I've ever seen online on any of the, the sites. Mm-hmm. They're just so vivid and unbelievable.
1: Well, uh, we'll definitely email you. We can set something up, and uh, we'll go from there, because uh, it certainly sounds like you're there you know, to, to kind of be a conduit for them. Uh, so we definitely want to try and get out there and see what uh, what it is that's trying to speak to you.
3: That'd be great. One last thing. Sure. To this day they still follow me. In fact, this afternoon in my garage, I got a photo of an apparition.
1: Well, then and I think that when we talk to Annette Martin here, she's going to say the same type of thing. You know, when you're there for them, they're always going to be around you. So, let's uh let's hope that uh, when we get out there, we can we can meet up with you and we can help draw some of them out.
3: That'd be fantastic.
1: All right, thank you very much. I'll be in you touch. Great night. You too and uh yeah, no, absolutely Matt you, we've heard plenty of stories uh of of different Native American spirits around here, but I'm really uh, interested because that sounds like that might be King Philip, and that would be you know really interesting to try to be able to almost interact with King Philip himself, so let's let's definitely make sure that we uh we get in touch with that exactly. gentleman and, and set something up all right, well, let's go to our guest uh psychic detective medical intuitive medium ghostbuster. Opera singer and author. I don't think we've ever had anybody on Spooky South Coast with that many titles, but uh, Annette Martin is joining us. Uh, she's one of America's most versatile psychics, and and that's certainly the truth, uh, Annette. Uh, sorry to put you on hold there while we took that call, but it's very important here on this program we believe to be able to talk to some of the local people and and hear their experiences and get them to open up and share. And that's something that I'm sure you know is is key to your work to be able to get people to actually open up about what it is that they're experiencing uh, because that makes you able to kind of help them out a little bit more
4: absolutely that's very true tim and it it was a wonderful story and um it, it would be wonderful to be with him with this gentleman and to go out there because one of the things that happens for me is that the ghosts want to talk to me not only do i see them but they also talk to me and so I can carry on conversations with them and ask them why they're there, why they haven't left, why they haven't gone into the white light, and what is really going on with them.
1: Now, what is that like, though? I mean, are you seeing them as we would see regular people? Are they kind of transparent? What happens, Tim, is generally
4: in the very first couple of seconds, uh, they're a little misty and transparent. And then they become more solid and they, sometimes I don't even recognize that they're a ghost. I think they're a real person and they're actually a ghost.
1: I can just imagine like over the years especially now where at least now we have kind of a rudimentary understanding of of psychic abilities uh nothing compared to what we really need to learn about them but i can only imagine over the years a number of people who had similar abilities or or were similarly tuned who just probably ended up going crazy because they couldn't figure out how to differentiate between the two exactly
4: exactly And, and i'm sure you know that that has happened to many people, and they probably thought they were crazy, and maybe they even put them, you know, in the booby hatch because they, <laughs> you know, they're talking to these people and nobody else can see them, but they can.
1: And I, I guess you know, for people who don't have these abilities, um, myself included. I mean, I've had a few little uh, instances here and there, and I think that everybody has the capability of of getting to these abilities and getting to yes. these talents. But yes, I agree. For those who have never actually either had an experience themselves, you know, intuition based on their own part, or had somebody relay something to them, they're always going to be skeptical about it. I mean, is there any kind of uh, argument that you put forth to people who say, okay, wait a minute, psychic? Oh, yeah, yeah, forget it.
4: <laughs> well, you know, I never try to argue with a skeptic because... Um, it, it's very true, just what you said, is until you actually have that interaction and that experience, you you really can't understand it. And so people who are saying that, you know, they're very skeptical, well, that's wonderful. But until they themselves experience something, will they say, oh, yeah, now that was weird. Or, gosh, oh, I never expected that. Or... <laughs> and so then they will begin to understand a little bit more about the intuitive world, the psych world.
1: If our science advisor, Matt Moniz, is here tonight, and he's not because he's ever in a case, uh, but if he was here, you know, he, he always likes to point out that too many skeptics already made up their minds before they hear the other person's side, and, and that, unfortunately, is the truth. You know, so many of them just say, well, no, it can't be possible, so therefore it isn't.
4: Exactly. E- exactly. And, you know, um, my father always taught me, you know, nothing is impossible, You can do whatever it is that you want.
1: But you didn't always have these abilities, did you?
4: Oh, well, yes, actually. (laughs) Um, I found out, I discovered that I was very intuitive at the age of seven. I had an unusual uh, experience that that happened to me, and it it was wonderful and unusual all at the same time. I was playing with a group of my friends. um, We were playing like kick in. And I had a sudden vision in which I saw my playmates turning on me with intent to kill. And wow. ten minutes later, that vision became a reality.
1: Wow. What you, you, would what'd what'd you do? It was frightening. <laughs> what would you do to make them so angry?
4: Well, actually, I hadn't done anything, Tim. We were playing uh, this game of kick the can and having a wonderful time. And I suddenly looked up into the sky and I saw this vision of all of my friends throwing rocks and stones at me and stoning me to death. And I went, oh my gosh, what's that? You know, it just scared the devil out of me. I thought, oh, Annette, it's just your imagination. And well, a few minutes later, I felt a rock hit my foot and I thought, oh, I must have kicked it. And then a few minutes after that, I felt this bigger rock hit my back and I thought... Oh, dear, what is happening here? (laughs) And I got really scared, and I started to run. And I started to run up my own stairs, and as I turned around, all of my friends had rocks and sticks in their hands, and they were throwing them at me for no provocation whatsoever. Well, I ran up my stairs, and I'm pounding on the door, totally forgetting that my mommy and daddy were at work. And all of a sudden, I heard this, Deep masculine voice say to me, Pick up that stick. And I thought, Oh, it's got to be my daddy. And I turned around again to the door, and of course, nobody was there. And I turned back to my friends who were continuing to throw the rocks and sticks at me, and I'm bleeding. And this voice again speaks to me, and he says, Pick up that stick and throw it. Well, I looked down at my right foot, and there was a stick about 13 inches long. And as I looked at the stick, I knew that I had to make a decision right that moment. Either I was going to pick up that stick and throw it, or my friends were going to stone me to death. So I decided to listen to that voice, and I picked up the stick, and I threw it, and I hit one of the little boys straight across the nose. Well, it broke his nose, and blood went everywhere and at that point in time, all of a sudden, all the doors opened up, and all the mothers started coming out, wondering, "What is all this noise about?" After he had screamed, well, they called the ambulance. They took him away. My grandmother and grandfather, who lived next door, who were taking care of me, came and me home. And to make a long story very short, <laughs> what happened was um, about several weeks later. Uh, I was walking down the street in San Francisco with my mother, and I saw this woman, and she walked by me, and I looked at her, and I could see all of these black bugs in her tummy. Wow. And I turned to my mother, and I said, Mommy, Mommy, you see that lady? She's got all those black bugs in her tummy, and she needs to go see the doctor. And my mother just looked at me like, What? <laughs> you know? And I... I repeated my story, and she said, oh, I'm sure she will, Annette. I'm sure she'll go and see the doctor. And I went, oh, okay. And off we went. And you've got to remember now, I'm only seven years old. Mm -hmm. So several weeks later, uh, a friend of my mother's came over, and uh, her name was Pauline. And she came over for lunch, and after she left, about an hour later, I came running out to my mother, and I said, Mommy, Mommy, Pauline, she has to go and see the doctor. Her big right toe really, really hurts. And my mother just looked at me and said, what? Oh, Annette, if anything was wrong with Pauline, she would have told me because she tells me everything that's wrong with her. And I said, no, no, you have to call her and tell her she's got to go see the doctor. Well, my mother turned to me and she said, now, I'll call her in the morning. I'm sure she'll be fine, Annette. And I went, okay. So I ran off into my room. Well, the next morning the phone rang. And guess who it was? It was Pauline, Mm -hmm. and she says to my mother, Viola, you will not believe what happened to me after I left your house yesterday. I went home, and last night, my big right toes swelled up, and it was so painful. I was in excruciating pain all night. I went to my podiatrist this morning, and he had to take the nail off, and he said, Mrs. Moses, I'm so glad you came in because this was a very serious problem. Wow. So, Tim, that was sort of the beginning of my psychic life. <laughs> well, you know, we've
1: we've heard about uh, other psychics and and other people with these abilities who have had them triggered by some sort of traumatic event. You know, they got into a car crash. Next thing you know, they have these abilities. Or you know, That's they got right. hit in the head. And and yours is may- maybe the first time I've heard a story of where it was actually you know precognitive warning of something like that instead of actually having to go through the trauma. You know, you kind of found out about it ahead of time, almost like uh you know almost like Spidey sense for Spider Man. You know, like, yeah. danger is imminent. <laughs> and and <laughs> do you do you find a lot of the flashes? that you get now are warning you of danger oh yes always always and
4: that still very deep masculine voice is still with me all the time and of course i call him you know one of my guides and uh, he has a name and i have i see him and i saw him shortly after things began to start moving along and i started doing medical diagnosing
1: and that's, that's a really slippery issue though, isn't it? To, to use your abilities to, to help people diagnose medical ailments? I mean, what's the, cause we've talked with like Tiffany Johnson, who, uh, we actually asked her that question point blank. You know, if you realize through a reading, through, through a session with somebody that somebody was seriously ill, what do you do? I mean, can you tell them, hey, I think that you have cancer? Because, you know, basically, you're not really necessarily licensed to give those kind of diagnoses. Do you kind of just make a suggestion to people like, There might be something wrong with your stomach. You might want to get that checked out.
4: Well, sometimes um, I will see exactly what is wrong, and I will always, always tell the client to go and see their doctor. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're not going to be able to treat it. You can only help them. Oh,
4: no, 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 no. No, I don't do any kind of treatment whatsoever. No, but what I do is I see what is going on, and so I've been doing medical diagnosing since I was a young girl, like I said. And it's part of my work, not only with uh, seeing my clients every single day that I do at my office, but also with the police agencies when I'm working on a, a police case.
1: And how did that come about? How did you begin working uh, in that realm of, of being able to utilize your abilities to help with criminal investigations?
4: Well, that was a really interesting thing. That, that happened around 1975. And um, I was in a yoga class. I was already a professional psychic. And I was in this yoga class with my uh, secretary, and we were laying down on the floor doing the meditation part, which was lovely. And I'm laying there, and all of a sudden I saw a body hanging over my body, a dead body hanging out in thin air. And I knew that it was a dead body immediately. And then I saw a stop sign next to her. It was a female and it scared the devil out of me because I had never seen anything like that before. And I sat straight up off the floor. My secretary is saying, are you okay? And I'm going, yes, yes, I'm okay. And I laid back down and I continued to see the body. Well, after the class was over, she and my um, the, the teacher, the yoga teacher, came running over to me and saying, what happened? Because they knew, she knew, of course, that I was a, a psychic as well. Mm-hmm. So I told them. And they both said to me, oh, you have to go down to the Marin Sheriff's Office and talk to them. And I went, what? Are you kidding? Oh, there is no way I'm going down to talk to the police. They're going to think I'm crazy because I'm a psychic. No, no, you have to go down there. <laughs> so they spent about 15 minutes trying to convince me, and I called my husband, and I said, well, what do you think? And he said... I think you should go. You know, maybe you've picked up on something. And I thought, okay, all right, I'll go down. So my secretary and I drove down there. and We walked into the marine Sheriff's Office and walked up to the desk, and uh, there's a detective up there, a sergeant. And I said, uh, he says, uh, and who are you? And I said, uh, well, my name is Annette Martin, and I'm a professional psychic, and um, I've seen a dead body. And his eyes (laughs) were just huge. And he goes, I'll be right back. (laughs) He rushes out to another room, and a couple of detectives a few moments later come out and escort my secretary and I inside, and they take us into this room that has no windows. And it's one of those interrogation rooms, Mm -hmm. and uh, three chairs and a desk. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? Oh, you know, this is really scary. Well, a few minutes later, two other detectives walk in, and this one comes and he sits down across from me in the desk and introduces himself as uh, Detective Sergeant Richard Keaton. And he says, can I help you? And I went, well, yes. Um, my name is Annette Martin. I'm a professional psychic, and uh, you're going to think I'm crazy. And he looked me straight in the eye, and he says, No, I won't think you're crazy. Tell me what you've experienced. Just like that. Mm -hmm. And I went, Oh, he gets it. He'll listen to me. Well, he did listen to me, and he recorded it, and I was there for four hours. And I gave them all kinds of information about this particular girl, who I had seen as dead body, and they asked me to come back that evening, which I did with my secretary and my husband, to give me moral support. And because he had said, oh, there'll just be a few people there. The captain wants to talk to you and a couple of the other detectives. And I said, okay, that's fine. So we arrived back about 7.30 that evening, and we walk into a room, and there's about... 35 people sitting in the room. There's a district attorney, there's two judges, there's two FBI men and a whole bunch of detectives. And I'm going, oh my gosh, (laughs) I'm in trouble now. I'm really in trouble.
2: (laughs) Sure, yeah.
4: So uh, Sergeant Keaton had me sit right next to him and across from him and he said, now don't worry, I'll ask you all the questions. And I said, okay. And I thought, Oh, dear. And what I did, Tim, is I, I, it was such a stressful situation. And I said to myself, okay, and then I closed my eyes and I said, now, if you sang at Beas Artes, which is the largest uh, opera house in Mexico City, for 3,000 people and a 60-piece orchestra, and you sang three high Cs, well, you can do this. And that's how I convinced myself. <laughs> that I could do this so I closed my eyes and another five more hours went by and I gave them more information and what I had told them about this case was I had given them a the complete M.O. on the assailant and physical things that were going on with him medications that he was taking what he looked like uh, and I um They had given me keys, about seven keys, that belonged supposedly to the assailant, and I told them what every key where it went, including where the assailant had put the body, which was in this uh, trailer-type thing. Mm -hmm. And I told him that uh, I tracked him, and I told him that he would kill again, and that they would find him in a year wearing white. He would be working in an institutional setting, sort of like a hospital of some kind, and that it would not be in California. And uh, to the day, a year later, Detective Sergeant Keaton calls me at my office, and he says to me, Annette, are you sitting down? I said, yes. And he says, I want you to know that they have arrested our assailant for another murder, but he didn't kill her. She was able to climb out of this very shallow grave that he had dug for her, and she described who he was, and they went and they found him working in a convalescent home in Washington State and wearing white pants and a shirt.
2: Wow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) And... and I'm just I mean we had an experience recently and I can't give away too much information because it's it's an ongoing case I really shouldn't even refer to it at all but we've had an incident recently where uh somebody made contact uh through through the spiritual world we'll just say where they got some information about a potential crime and uh, that information was passed on to the police department and immediately they parked up and they were interested in it but not only is it because, you know, they might say, okay, well, these abilities, these, these techniques, this is one avenue to pursue in an investigation, but also because they want to make sure that this isn't just somebody's way of confessing or somebody's way of saying, hey, yeah. I know something, but right. I, I don't want to point fingers at people I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that must be the hardest part whenever you're working on a case is, at least until you get to know the the detectives and the agencies involved is to convince them that I just have this vision and I really don't know anything about the crime outside well, of that. Well, exactly, right.
4: Yeah. Well, the interesting part of it is you see, it was the day that I came in was the day that they had found the body.
1: So they were already aware that this that this yes. had happened.
4: Yes, they they had the body. And um, and of course, I gave them information that nobody else knew about, sure and I that's know. why they wanted me to come back that evening.
1: And uh, you know, then they have to say, "Who who did you talk to? Who do you know?" <laughs> but now, I, I was I was reading uh, some some stuff um, on on your site, and it says that you when you do some of these profilings for these cases, that you you kind of take on some of the mannerisms and and some of the facial expressions of the actual assailants themselves. Yes, I do. That must be really creepy for you uh to to try to feel that come through you.
4: Well actually, um, it, it doesn't become creepy so much for me because I'm in an altered state. Okay. And I'm I can jump from being the victim over to the assailant also to become the observer. And so I can play three roles while I'm talking, and this is all going on, I also uh, pick up the conversations of what happened between the victim and the assailant, which is a little unusual because most of the psychic detectives do not do that. And so I jump in. It's like I move into a video, okay? And it's like our hauntings are what I call impressions mm-hmm. when we're talking about the ghost world, Um, It's the same kind of thing. I move into that videotape of what occurred in that murder.
1: That's very interesting to the idea. I mean, we, we have investigated numerous hauntings ourselves and, and through all the people that we've talked to, you know, the idea that it is a, a set event, that something happened, and we're trying to go in and document that the energy is still there, and you're actually able to move into that energy and kind of become part of that energy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just fascinating. Uh, it must be, though, at the same time, you know, nerve-wracking for for everybody around you that's watching that and seeing all this play out because it's almost like you're witnessing the crime happen. Oh, I am. I am witnessing it. Well, I mean, they are, too, watching you kind of yes. reenact it.
4: <laughs> well, I only do it with a detective, sure. and for 35 years I only did it with Detective Sergeant Richard Keaton until he totally retired, and, um, and now I'm doing it with the different agencies across the country, and so I only work one-on-one. I do not work with the family on this.
1: But uh, also, though, you are available if people want to contact you and, and try and bring you into a case. Is that a possibility, or yes. does it have to be the detectives themselves that contact
4: you? No, no, the families can contact me. Mhm.
1: And you have a website you dot com. Correct. That's closure, then the number four, and then the letter u dot com. And uh, of course, it's also linked up to your main site Annette-Martin.com, dot which is linked up on SpookySouthCoast.com. dot com. Right. Thank you. No problem. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> and that. So when you get these calls, uh, when you get these emails, when you get contact from the families. I mean, how do you decide where you can go and which cases you can take on? Do you have to kind of get a feeling already about the case, or can you just say, all right, I want to help these people out, go in cold, and then things just kind of come to you?
4: Well, I do. I I go in cold, but what happens is that I always tell the family that they have to get in touch with a detective on the case. Mm -hmm. And if he is open to hear what I say and open to working with me, then we can work on the case and I ask them then if they agree that the detective is open uh, to send me a photograph of the victim, and if they have any suspects, and um, they have to sign kind of like a a release form, and that's all I ask them for.
1: But if you had to kind of throw a a number on it, what percentage of the detectives involved in these cases would you say are willing to accept your your assistance?
4: Well, I would say all of the ones that um, I have seen well, to give you a percentage, I would say maybe 70 to 75%.
1: That, that's a very encouraging percentage to yes. to know that there's that many detectives open-minded yes. as to pursuing well, this avenue.
4: Yes, and you know, Tim, um, many, many of the detectives themselves are extremely intuitive.
1: Sure, I mean, they and, must be following kind of the same type of, yes, of uh, intuition the, that you have. They're following
4: their intuition. They're following their hunches. You know, they will call it their gut Feeling or their hunch. And, uh, and that's why they're good policemen. That's what makes a really good detective. Someone who's, who is very intuitive.
1: So then you must naturally then agree that these, these are capabilities that everybody does have Absolutely. And, and they can draw them out. I, and I know that you kind of put together, uh, your first book was kind of like a psychic workbook, uh, Discovering Your Psychic World. And is that what that book does? Is it kind of help you be able to open yourself up to these abilities?
4: Exactly. And that's exactly what it is. And it's a compilation of, of uh, all of my classes that I've been teaching for years and teaching people how to develop their intuition. And it works.
1: But there's also a new book out as well, Gift of the White Light. Yes, Gift of the White Light, which is
4: a biography about my life so far. (laughs) (laughs) And it's written by James N. Fry, who is, um, he's written about nine novels, and and, uh, he's just wonderful.
1: Now, this isn't The Million Little Pieces, James Fry. No. That's why he uses the N. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) So, uh... But, I mean, that must be kind of weird, though, for somebody to want to actually, you know, make a biography about you and to kind of tell the story of your life. And, and when you get the chance to read it and look back on it, uh, if, if, if you were just the common person and you were reading a book about all that you've experienced and gone through, uh, you you'd kind of probably close the book and say, wow, I, I don't know if I can buy all that.
4: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we have 31 five-star reviews on Amazon.com for the book, and almost everyone in in the review has said i could not put the book down it was so fascinating and of course all of it is true that is in there because it's all been documented
1: <laughs> i mean that's got to be the 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 built-in kind of credibility for you because yes. if you ever tried to go on and, and, and talk about some cases, even, you know, abstractly, you can't name names or, or specific crimes, but if you tried to go on and, and, and say that you've worked with all these cases, there's detectives out there that would say, no, that's not true. So you, you have to make sure that you, you present right. the truth. And also because, you know, you, you could incriminate yourself.
4: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. No, no. No, There there's no problem with that. And I have you know affidavits and Feedback from clients for years, years
1: and years, so. I mean, to, to be able to have built that kind of, of credibility uh, is definitely a, a bonus for any medium, any psychic, anybody yeah. with these abilities to be able to say, look at this track record that I have, so when I'm telling you this, please listen. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Well, you know, it's amazing because they do because what happens, I I am just so thrilled and it's just such a wonderful thing that occurs. Everyone that I work with that comes to see me to have a reading either in my office or on the telephone, um, I can already hear in their voice or see in their face the changes beginning to occur as I'm telling them the things that are going on with them. And how they can help themselves and how they can make their lives better
1: it's a lot easier when they're coming in with that with that acceptance and that belief than you know if you're the uh if you're the flea market psychic charging five dollars for the person that walks by, and everybody's walking in automatically thinking you know this this person doesn't know what they're talking about, but for <laughs> you, it must be easier when they come in and they're already open they're already kind of tuning themselves into those frequencies ahead of time
4: right, right it is it is. Because no one comes to see me, Tim, unless they're really ready to hear the truth.
1: Mm-hmm. And it must be hard, though, when you have to deliver the news that they don't necessarily want to hear. That's
4: true. That's true. And the, the wonderful point, though, is, and I have all this feedback, which is in the book. I mean, there's so much information in Gift of the White Light. Not only my uh, police cases, there, there are actually nine transcripts in there of some of the cases i've worked on but a lot of feedback from people about uh i have literally saved about nine lives by seeing what was going on with them with their health and sending them immediately to their doctors and they did they went immediately to their doctor and i was correct
1: well that is just uh I mean that to, to be able to be able to do that more than anything. I think even more than helping close cases, more than anything, I think being able to help people make an immediate change and save themselves has got to be the most rewarding feeling. It
4: is. It is just absolutely. I can't even express to you what it feels like because it is just so thrilling.
1: All right. Well, we have to take a break now because we're up against the network news. But when we come back on the other side, we'll talk more with Annette Martin, and we'll also open up the phone lines for you to speak with her. Five zero eight. Nine nine six zero five hundred five zero eight two nine one zero five hundred. Again, those websites: closure the number four the letter u com and annette dash martin And you can go to SpookySouthCoast.com. They're linked up right there on the front page, and you can click on there. You can order the book. You can contact the net, and uh, that's what we highly suggest you do. But uh, if you want to talk to her here on the show, that'll be coming up in just a few minutes. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast.
0: I like didn't experience to live in fear,
5: isn't it?
2: This
0: can't be happening, man. This isn't happening. Spooky
2: Soho. Cool.
1: supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it doesn't. Welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Lysberg here. Along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa. And here we are, Matt. We're in year number four now at Spooky South Coast. It's kind of crazy. It is crazy. Just celebrated our third anniversary. So now we're working toward the fourth. And that, I think that officially makes us a real radio show when we've been on for four years. Yeah. Because, uh, that's, that's staying power here in, uh, Radio world. It is. I'm very proud of us for that. But, uh, you know, I was thinking about this the other day because we had a musical group contact us that wanted to, uh, have some of their music played on the show. And of course, we welcome that. If, if, if bands, uh, have things that are appropriate for air and they want to send them to us and, and have us possibly use them as bumpers, we, we welcome that. Sure. Just, uh, give us an email. Spookycrew at spooky I know a lot of bands are on MySpace and they have their MySpace music page, so you can contact us there. MySpace.com slash spooky south coast. But uh, I was think, thinking about the possibility of what if what if we kind of changed the spooky south coast theme? What if we had a contest where our listeners could put together a new spooky south coast theme?
2: That'd be
6: cool.
1: Yeah, but we're, we're not talking like uh, stealing music off the internet and kind of like mixing it around. We're talking original stuff that uh, we would have the rights to be able to use. Um, well, let's let's think about that. If anybody wants to, you know, create something and send it in spooky crew at spooky dot com. But you know, we kinda of want you don't like that coffee, do you, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> We're fascinated with that coffee machine. We're going to try every flavor until we find one yeah. that really hits. But uh so yeah, I mean that, there's a possibility of something we can do. And also I just want to throw another reminder for Power Relations, the new paranormal public relations firm that myself and Christopher Balzano have started. If you're in the paranormal world, and you want to get the word out even more. Maybe, you're, maybe you're just starting out. And you you have a book that you want to push, or you know, you have uh, something to give the paranormal world, and you're just having trouble getting your word, getting the word out there. You know, that's what we're there for. We can do that. Maybe you're also a very well-known, very established name in the paranormal field and you're becoming overwhelmed with media requests. There's all these paranormal shows out there now uh, with blog talk radio and all these other websites popping up that you're not sure which ones are are, are good, which ones are worth your time, and which ones are just somebody screwing around on their computer in their basement. You know, and you need somebody to kind of filter through, do all the work for you, book the interviews, whatever. Whatever it is that you need, Power Relations is there for you. Myself and Chris Balzano are more than happy to cater a package for you and and work with you and and create different things. And whether you're a a conference and you need publicity uh, or you need help getting speakers, just anything. Anything in the paranormal world that you can think of that you need help in the kind of the business end of things uh Chris and I are there to help you power relations just go to www.para-relations.com or you can even go to www.powerrelations.com cuz we bought both remarkable <laughs> foresight on our part so there you go and now uh, that's my little spot for power relations don't want to get too much into that cuz not trying to cross the two things there you go All right, well, we are talking with Annette Martin, and as we said before, she's a psychic detective, a medical intuitive, a medium, a ghostbuster, and one thing that we didn't talk about, really, uh, and Annette, you kind of referenced it a little bit, but I I don't want to just gloss over your illustrious music career, either. (laughs) I mean, seriously... To to start uh, performing at fourteen and and to do uh, opera musical comedies, uh, La Boheme is one of them. And you know, and to as oh, you yes. mentioned before, to to perform <laughs> with the Mexico City National Opera, I mean that's got to be something in itself that is a talent that so few people can achieve. And, and here you are, you know, you're kind of tuned in. Would you say that kind of maybe the opera singer aspect of you and the the psychic aspect of you are they kind of the same frequency? I mean, do you kind of have to have the same type of Oh.
4: Absolutely, Tim. You're right on the money with that one. That is my hypothesis, is that because I'm a musician and a singer, and I can hear tones and I can feel the tones and see the energy waves, uh, they both help each other. So when I'm the psychic, I'm tuning into that. It's like when I hear someone's voice, it becomes almost musical to me.
1: Cause one and of my, so it,
4: it is really an added treat for me.
1: <laughs> one of my theories, personally, uh, regarding EVP, electronic voice phenomenon, mm-hmm. is, I, you know, I've, and I've talked about this with other EVP researchers, and, and you know, everything that we say, any word that has ever made, any sound that has ever made reverberates, it stays out there. That's it right. It just goes through a different frequency we can't hear. Exactly. And and to be able to just tune yourself into those frequencies is, is really all it takes, and I think, you know, that... As you were saying, you know that musical aspect of you is, is one way to, to bring that out. But do you also kind of sometimes, in addition to hearing spirits trying to contact you, can you kind of hear that EVP yourself of that just constant repeated phrase that's out there in the ether?
4: Um, not the constant phrase, no, because okay. that would drive me crazy. Uh, I was going to say, yeah. You have to <laughs> learn <laughs> where to block it That would drive me crazy. Out. You know, like, people are always asking me, well, do you know about everybody? You know, everyone that's walking down the street, are you picking up on them? And I say, oh, no, no. I had to teach myself at 11 years old, Tim, not to do that because it was becoming overwhelming. And I was losing all my friends because, you know, as a child, you just sort of blurt things out and say things to people. And what I was finding was that, you know, my friends were backing away from me and thinking, my gosh, she's really weird. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I don't I don't want her knowing all that stuff I was thinking about her either. Right. And so I had to teach
4: myself, um, and I, I talked to this masculine voice that I was telling you about, who is my guide, and I said, you know, you have to help me because I don't know what to do about this. This is just getting in the way because when I was 11... I was bound and determined that I was going to be a professional opera singer and a movie star. And so I said, you know, you have to help me with this because I just don't want to be doing this all the time. And so he said to me, think about a light switch. And I went, oh, a light switch. You turn it on and then you turn it off. And he said, yes. And so I worked on that and I learned to turn it off and I learned to turn it on. Well, and it's wonderful.
1: <laughs> and that that's got to be the key to to know when to use it and when, yes. you know, who to pay yes. attention to because yeah, I can imagine you're also going to get some in addition to those looking for help, looking for assistance, you're also going to get some of the the negative side of things that are just trying to mess with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Especially where you put yourself uh kind of on the line going in and doing paranormal investigation and checking out some of these haunted locations uh with, with people like Lloyd Auerbach where you're going into these places and you never know what the spirit is that's there. Uh, it, and it could even come across as something positive and, and innocent and then turn into something more. Has that been something that's happened to you in the past and you kind of encountered the negative?
4: Actually, um, we've only run into maybe, oh, kind of... Um a couple of men who were kind of you know angry but they weren't malicious but they were angry and they were you know had been moving things around and really frightening people and so when you know i kind of sat down and i started to talk to them because of course they started to talk to me immediately and um i kind of told them you know they were scaring these people and that it really wasn't that necessary to do that. And I kind of counsel the ghost because I asked them, you know, what their life was like and why they're still where they are. And so all during that counseling portion, what happens is they seem to calm down. I mean, it's as if I'm just talking to a normal person because, of course, that's what they are. They are consciousness, and the consciousness is still the same as they were when they were alive.
1: I mean, you would think, you would hope that we'd learn some sort of lesson (laughs) about ourselves (laughs) you know, upon death, but I guess that's not always the case. I mean, maybe they're actually in that state and they haven't kind of moved on because they haven't learned about themselves.
4: And there are very different reasons why they haven't moved on.
1: What do you find is is some of those reasons? A lot of the reasons are
4: that um, they're afraid. Also, some of them really don't want to believe they're dead, okay?
1: Is that is that probably the biggest one, is not I would say so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They really do not want to believe that they're
4: dead. And they're just kind of lost, you know. And some of them are desperately trying to tell the humans where, you know, where they are, if they're in a home or a hotel, that they're there. Well, Don't you see me? Can't you see me? <laughs> you know. And it takes them quite a while to learn how to move things, actually. I have not upon a ghost who could move things immediately and when i mean immediately i mean within the first maybe five years really it it takes them quite a while to learn how to do
1: that Mm -hmm. so it wasn't like patrick swayze just being able to move that penny a couple days later it takes some some intense focus is there exactly can there be a process to this can you actually uh... stay in that state and learn to be kind of a better ghost yeah, that, is that kind of oh, some yes. of them? Some of them do make that their focus. Oh, absolutely!
4: We have one just like that out at the Moss Beach Distillery,
1: out here in Moss Beach, California. Now, now wait a minute before whenever you mention Moss be- Moss Beach Distillery. Now we have to be clear here uh, because <laughs> of what happened with Ghost Hunters and Taps. And, I know and a lot of that was was uh, you know their attempt to kind of play up things to the to the tourists, and they weren't very upfront with Taps, and you know I can kind of understand why Taps was was upset about it. But there is a legitimate haunting going on there.
4: Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. We we have a ghost there. Her her name is Kate. And I've spoken to her many, many, many times. And uh, she's been there for over 60 years or so. And uh, she loves it there. And she has no intentions of leaving. Her reason for not leaving is that because her... um, Husband, or ex husband, that she was separated from him, uh, murdered her. And so she's afraid that he's going to hurt her again on the other side ah. after she goes into the light. I've tried to explain to her that that is not the way it works, mm-hmm. but she just doesn't want to believe
1: it. <laughs> well, I would like to have, I mean not that I want to die anytime soon, but if I if I were when I do pass on, I'd like to actually spend some time in that state to try to help paranormal investigators to try to give them yes. really solid good proof to be able to 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 bring to the scientific community and say, "Hey, yeah. look! You know, he said he was going to do it, and he did."
6: Right.
4: <laughs> so, but it, it is really fascinating because uh, Kate is very, very active, and she can move very heavy things. And I've seen her lift hair up from a client. Uh, I've seen her open and close doors and move uh, glasses off of um, the wine glasses, off of those racks. Uh, She's even stolen an earring off of somebody who was sitting across from me. Wow.
1: But uh, her face wasn't in the the mirror of the ladies' room, though. No, no. (laughs) Those were all set up. You know, but why would you do that? I mean, I guess maybe that happened. Oh, because the owner wanted them. But, I mean, before, I, I suppose now if they were put in place before, the paranormal could actually be a legitimate reason for people to visit your business and it was kind of just legend and lore yeah you're going to have some gimmicky stuff but once you become an actual recognized haunted location you're going to pull that kind of stuff out you know you're just gonna you're only creating questions in people's minds
4: Well, he wanted those things done so and they've been there for years you know
1: i want to assume that though that they've probably since been removed
4: no really oh no i don't think so oh no (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh,
1: man, I can only imagine what happens if uh, Jason and Grant go back there. I can, I can just picture Jason taking a sledgehammer and all that stuff.
4: <laughs> well, he might get thrown in jail. Yeah, that's true. That's
1: true. That would probably keep him from doing it. But uh, you know, but that's that's going to happen. I mean, there are places where they've built a haunted lo- uh, haunted legend over many many years before it was seen as a quote unquote scientific pursuit. And so there is that touristy aspect of it, and I think you got kind of got to work hand-in-hand hand with it at some, at some point. It, it only brings people there. It only helps, you know, increase its visibility, and the more people you can get there to experience it, then the easier it's going to be to start getting proof.
4: Well, that, that's very true. But, you know, the Moss Beach Distillery is so beautiful. People go there because it hangs out right over the Pacific Ocean, and it's just lovely, and the food is
1: wonderful. And, and yourself and Lloyd, you're not going to spend so much time there unless there's really something going on. Oh yes, that's the only reason we go out there. All right. Well, we have a caller on the line, but we we do want to say that we will throw the, the phone lines open uh, for people if they want to speak with you and kind of see what you can uh, what you can pick up from them. Is there? Yes. Is and there... all
4: I need is their first name and only one question.
1: Okay. Because I know that with different uh, different psychics, it works a different way for them. So you want their name and you want one specific question. Yes. All right, well, let's go to the phones then. Good evening around Spooky South Coast. How are you doing? Oh,
5: hi. Uh, Tim is Chris. Hi. Hi, Annette. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Hi. What is your name? Uh, Chris. Chris. With a K or a C? It's C. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, actually, I didn't want a reading. I just wanted to ask you more about um, how is it possible for a spirit person to scratch you on the physical body and burn you? How are they able to do that? Well, that's a very
4: good question. And, you know, I have never seen that with my own eyes. Um, I have read about it a great deal. Um, All I can tell you that my hypothesis is that what happens is it's energy. And so they are able to um, send their energy over to another human being uh, and and be able to make some kind of a mark on their body
5: okay so it, it goes through the spirit body uh, yeah your, your your aura yes penetrates that into the physical correct. body
4: correct so now, they... I, it's interesting that you even asked me that question because my son just told me a story about his son my grandson's girlfriend who walked out of the shower in from the bathroom and um She looked down at her stomach, and there was this handprint on her stomach. And uh, they definitely have a little girl ghost there in the house, which I have seen. And um, there was like an impression of a hand there. Right. And she could feel somebody kind of pushing her. And um, so what happens, though, because... They are in the form that they're in. It's it sort of made like an outline, a reddish outline of all the fingers mm-hmm. on her, her stomach.
1: I've right. actually seen it happen. I've actually seen uh, scratches pop up on someone who was kind of being attacked by something we couldn't see. Yeah, I've had psychic burns myself, so it's very unpleasant. Well, I mean, a burn, though, Chris, I can almost understand more because it's, yeah. you know, a- as Annette said, it's energy. So you can mm-hmm. kind of burn somebody with that energy. But when I saw the scratches, it really started to, to make me think and, and the possibility that whether or not these are... These are actually happening from a spirit, whether or not they're psychosomatic to the person. Mm-hmm. And it's still pretty fascinating the fact that, you know, the, the skin can literally split open yeah. without any physical visible force having it happen. So yeah, whether it's internal know, or external. You don't hear
5: anybody talk about that. You know, uh, you see the results on all these investigations. And, and nobody ever explains those Uh that know. Well, unfortunately, because
1: what happens in the investigation is we don't actually see it happen as much as we have it happen to us. Uh So in the process of doing something else, when all of a sudden we'll get slapped, we'll get hit, we'll get scratched, we'll get cut, until you can actually put the camera on somebody and see it visibly happen, which we were fortunate enough to do, Mm -hmm. uh, you you know, you really don't understand, you know, what's going on until it's after the fact.
4: Right. And, and Chris, where were you when this happened?
5: Uh, well, I was at my one of my favorite haunts, the Lizzie Borden house. Oh. Yeah, I was actually right in front, outside the house. I wasn't even inside the house, and I got it right across my face. Oh, wow! So, but that was years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I have one other quick question. I noticed you did an investigation at the Brookdale Lodge in California. Oh, yeah, many times. You ever times. cross over that that child that was tugging on your uh, your shirt? I'm sorry, say that again? The little girl that yeah. was there that was tugging on your shirt. Yes, yes. Did she cross over or is she still there? No, she's still there. Well, why doesn't she want to go over? Well, that's a good question. Her mother
4: comes for her, and her mother comes and visits her. Yeah. And then the mother leaves, and the little girl doesn't want to go.
5: Really? Is she and I, I try to get her there? Pardon me? Would she be attached to somebody that actually works there or Usually no. there are children?
4: No. She just does she
5: refuses to go. And she won't engage you in any conversation? No. That is weird. I always wonder why children stay behind mm-hmm. unless there are other children there to play with, you know?
4: Well, there was another little girl who died in the swimming pool there. Mhm. And, um, I have not seen her though, but there is an older gentleman that's also there, a real craggy looking Yes, character. I know. I heard
5: about him. Yeah, he's, he's not very at pleasant. The bar,
4: and yeah. He scared the devil out of me too, because I walked into the dining room uh-huh. and, uh, I looked over and I said, my God, who's that old man sitting there? And everybody's going, huh? What? Uh-huh. <laughs> I know. And there he was, you know. And I saw the bar. Of course, the bar was gone mm-hmm. in, in the physical world, but I saw the bar, and I saw him sitting at the bar. So maybe she has kind of attached herself to him
5: I because they're both there, right? Well, thank you so much. This was such a pleasure to talk to you. You're welcome. Okay, thanks again. Thanks Bye, again you. Bye, Matt. Have Have a good good night. Night. Bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye. That is Chris. She's one of our regular listeners, and we've uh, we've been able to get out and investigate with her and, as well. And and uh, she does do her best to be able to help spirits cross over. But she did mention Annette, the Lizzie Borden house. Have you ever had a chance to investigate there? To check I have out? not. No, uh, we'll have to set something up because we're only a stone's throw from there, and we uh, we set up events there, and and we work oh, with a number to. of teams there. So yeah, we'll definitely
2: hear about come.
0: breaking news today.
1: That's or- it, breaking news right there. Annette Martin coming to Lizzie Borden. <laughs> 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 we'll uh, we'll we'll make sure that. Uh, um, that we can set something up with you sometime in the future. Okay. Because uh we actually had, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Rick Hayes. No. Uh, he's hes a, a, a medium, a, a paranormal communications consultant, as he calls himself, uh, out of Indiana, and he actually spoke with me about where to go in the house, just getting a feeling of where to go in the house uh, to find um, activity, to be able to document activity. And when we went there, the, I think it was like the next day that we were going on the investigation. We actually did capture something right where he said. So whatever is there, it's so powerful, it's able to send stuff out to him out in Indiana. So wow, I, I'm sure it's uh, pretty strong. And and there's so many theories and ideas of of what happened there. Yes, what the murders were. So there's, mm-hmm. it's always good to get somebody else's perspective in there as well. Now I I gotta ask you because it's the night before the Super Bowl, and I know that you know not not every Every psychic has the ability to foresee scores, but uh, going with your intuition and just your your gut feeling, as they say, you know, do you, do you have a Super Bowl selection?
4: Oh yes, I do. The Steelers.
1: And are you basing that on on an actual? That's my field? intuition. Yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Someone asked me last week, and and I got that immediately.
1: We we've had a habit here the last few years of of having a a psychic on to predict the Super Bowl, and it's just it's. In our eyes, it's uh, become—it's like kind of having a psychic predict the lottery. You know what I mean? Because there's a way to profit off of it, and because you know the idea of people making bets based on what somebody's saying can alter things—the whole free will and the way you know. So we we've decided that you know by bringing it on and kind of talking about that, you're you're kind of doing a disservice because. You know, the more you try to influence it, the more you're going to influence it the other way. And <laughs> But we just thought we'd ask you while we had you on the phone. So right. We'll put you down for the seal. You got a score, or is it just... No, you know,
4: I, I don't get any numbers. And I don't do well with numbers, Tim. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, every once in a while in a murder case, um, I will get an address or some numbers of a driver's license. But ordinarily, I, um, <clears throat> I just don't do well with numbers.
1: You know, it, it's interesting because I've studied uh, quite a bit about lucid dreaming. And about the dream state. And uh, from what I've read and from what I've been told, when you're in that dream state, when you're in that, the, those beta waves, you actually can't uh – see numbers they don't Uh really come through you can maybe uh, you know intuit numbers uh, that are happening if you have a dream and somebody told you you know 75 you didn't actually see the 75 you just kind of knew that it was 75 right so that's kind of interesting that maybe it's the same type of idea you know you can't see the numbers in that state maybe you can't see the numbers when you're in you know your altered state of being able to perceive these things
4: right I i think that's probably true
1: See, we're seeing synchronization between the different fields here. Oh, definitely. I think there is definitely synchronization. Sooner or later, everybody will start to believe it is all true. (laughs) (laughs) So if you'd like to talk with Annette, you can give us a call, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500 as well. And, again, if you want to get a reading from Annette, all you have to give her is your first name and, and then a question. And whenever I'm in this seat, and I talked to a psychic. I don't like to try to put my own uh, questions out there because, you know, we're we're here for you to speak with the callers. Uh, but I did have one strange experience. Uh, Matt Costa and I were here, and we were – I think we were just really killing time, Matt, because we had a, a short show. And I, I said to somebody that uh, – and I claim to have no abilities. I have not done any kind of work to try to sharpen any abilities. I've I've had, you know, the few occasional moments of like, oh, you know, that's exactly what I thought. But uh, nothing really serious. But I said, you know, we're going to do an experiment. And I threw the phone lines open. And the first person that talked to me, I told him to look at something in the room. And I was able to describe that to the person. And I actually hit. I got 100% accuracy almost. Uh, I think the only thing was is I called it a cookie jar. And it was just a, a different type of, of container. But I described it, you know, perfectly. And But I, I never had any kind of flashes. I, I don't have any more than that. Is that just a matter of I was trying to open that pathway and I was able to do it? Yes.
4: You you opened up the pathway and you were focusing on what that person was seeing.
1: So it's really just that simple and then you just learn how to sharpen those connections?
4: Exactly. Exactly. And and that's how you can train yourself, by focusing on what the other person is seeing.
1: Is, Is there more... To it though, is there more work that you need to do? Is there? Should, oh yes. <laughs> should, are there like other exercises for your psychic mind? Is it the same as there would be for your you know your body? Definitely,
4: definitely, and I think you know one of the key elements in learning how to develop your intuition is through the process of meditation, so that you are learning to quiet the conscious mind, the left side of the brain, and moving over into the right side of the brain. That, that's and interesting. In the yes, in the right side of the brain, what happens is that is the area where we are creative. That's the area where we can visualize.
1: And normally, when sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say normally when you hear people talk about meditating, you know, they're focusing on the idea of of trying to tune in. And what you're suggesting is you have to use it as a way to tune out. You have to so.
4: tune out. You don't want to tune in. <laughs> You have to learn to tune out. That's probably why I have no luck with it. (laughs) Totally relax, okay? And I have a set of uh, CDs that I use for my students in uh, teaching them how to relax their body. It's a process of going through the body and letting go of starting with your feet and going all the way up to your head and then taking yourself into these visualizations that I am talking about on the CD about, and when you do this and you're listening to my voice and I'm sending you to these different places, you can see them and you begin then to experience what you would like to experience in those places.
1: See, that's the only luck I've ever had is with is with guided meditation. Exactly, that's what these are. Yeah, when it happened to me, it was it happened to me in like health class when I was in high school. (laughs) (laughs) It it was a matter of you know she she had the teacher had us like all lay down and and I forget why we were studying it, but she had us lay down and she basically talked us through it. You know, she played the you know the ocean crashing waves on the on the CD player and Mm -hmm. and she had us all you know. We had to visualize each breath we were taking in and and, and picture the the, uh, capillaries expanding in our blood and everything. And and that was the only time I've ever really been able to achieve any type of meditative state.
4: Exactly. And that's how you need to do
1: it. It, Does it eventually get to the point where you can just drop right into it? Exactly.
4: Uh Uh-huh. It only takes me about one breath and I can get into it.
1: Wow. Uh Uh-huh.
4: Because I've been doing it for so many years, you know. But that's how you can teach yourself to just totally let go, and you have to let go of your ego, and you have to just be there, okay? And then what happens is when you're just being there, you'll begin to either hear things or see pictures or feelings will come to you. It all depends upon what type of personality you have and how you process things.
1: I mean, I know I've had luck with, with dreams. That's when I've I've had kind of psychic experiences. I've had loved ones come to me in dreams and, and converse with me that way. Uh-huh. And, and to some people, it's almost like you have to be in that, you know, subconscious mind to be able to achieve this because you can't shut off everything else. And it's just so hard right. sometimes to, to tune it all well, out. Well,
4: it's the same thing, okay, and it is a dream state. And so when you teach yourself to go into a deep meditation – an altered state you it's like a dream state it, uh, and that's where you're able to pick up these subtle energies and these subtle things
1: it's amazing because people are always you know telling telling me about dreams that they've had. They say, oh, you talk about the paranormal, i got to tell you about this dream that I had. Uh Uh-huh. And they always explain to you something that it's like you can almost see into that dream whatever it is that's like their call out for help, what it is that they're having a problem with, and it's like right there in front of their face, but they can't believe it because it happened in a dream. Right, exactly, exactly. So maybe if they could just learn to meditate a little bit and they could figure it out for themselves. Yes, it works. But that, I mean, that's the hardest part, though. Is everybody says, "I don't have time. I don't have time to do that." But it, once you can learn how to do it, there must it must be so easy to find little times of the day when you can just slip into it, kind of get you exactly. know, re-ground yourself. It
4: only takes a few minutes, actually.
1: Once you learn how to do
4: it, then you once you learn how to relax the whole body and how to breathe deeply, um, you can do it. You know, within a few minutes.
1: Of course, just don't do it while you're driving. <laughs> I, uh, I can't hear you. What? Don't do it while driving. Oh, no. Don't no, do it while need, you're driving. You <laughs> need to be a little bit more alert. That's going to be the next thing. You know, we, we've got DUI. We're going to have uh, D-U-M, you know, driving under meditation. <laughs> but... Uh, and, and as somebody, you know, myself, who, who has tried to, to to be able to find those moments where you can work on and everything, you, you must be able... You must have to set aside a good amount of time, though, at the beginning to really get used to it. You know, set aside a couple of hours where you can practice and you can really get into it before you can get to that point. Or are some people just naturally able to just drop right in as soon as they start trying? It takes –
4: there are a few people um, that, you know, they've caught on to it maybe after a month or so. But it it takes a little bit to get into it because what happens is that the conscious mind is going, you know, all the time. Mm -hmm. It's talking all the time. And so that's what you have to, first of all, recognize that your conscious mind is doing that and how to turn it off and just let go. And that is the hardest part for a lot of people, Tim, is that they're afraid that if they let go of that, that they're going to lose themselves. Well, that, it's just the opposite <laughs> because what you're actually going to do is you're going to learn more about yourself i doing
1: this you know it, it's amazing when you can't let go enough to try and, and, and achieve this but yet when it comes you know there's bills i have to pay and 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 you know things that i have to do i'm able to tune all that stuff out no problem you know all my responsibilities that i'm supposed to meet oh yeah i just forgot slipped my mind you know i have no <laughs> problem tuning that stuff out but it's all the rest of it that i can't push away
4: right well that's what you have to do you have to put it all away When I do my police work or when I'm doing a reading for someone, I take in my three deep breaths, I bring in the white light, and whoosh, I'm into that person. And my whole focus just goes right over to them, and I move into their aura, and I move into them, and I start receiving information immediately.
1: Well, we have a call on the line here. So uh, let's find out if uh, they want a reading or if they just have a question. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with Annette Martin. How are you doing? Good. How are you? All right.
0: Do you have uh, a question
1: or did you want to get a reading? Or
0: no, I I, I was kind of and I was uh, just like some advice, uh, if I could. Sure. Uh, what is your name, sir? My name is Joseph.
4: Joseph. Hi. This Hi, is Annette. Hi. How are you?
0: Very Hi. interesting joke. Thanks. About seven months ago, um, I'm sixty-seven years old. I was a heavy smoker and different things like that, you know. And uh, I had contact with some with my lungs and that. Uh, and I couldn't, couldn't seem to stop smoking, no matter what I did. Well, anyways, I was at this job and I was uh, I passed out and I died on the way to the ambulance. And this is was wow. the story they gave me. And they got me into the hospital and then they wanted to make sure that uh, they brought me up there, but I was already was dead. I always wanted to be cremated for some reason, and I was laying there, and they had the tube in my mouth—you know that tube that they put down there where you just about can breathe—and uh, I, I wanted to always be cremated. I could feel my body burning up, man. It was really burning. I got one foot in. I could feel the door going down at the, where they burn you, I guess, but I couldn't get one foot in. One foot didn't seem for some reason not to go in. Well, Nick, long story short, uh, I come out of it. Uh, Usually with with my type of thing, you're in a hospital for two, three weeks. I was there five days. They cut it out, took the tube out of my mouth. I started walking around. I haven't had a cigarette since. Thank God. But it was the strangest thing, and it, it stayed with me for some reason. And I can't for the life of me man think the way that reason that that would stay with me or why I would be saved. I mean I just wanted to go. I just wanted to get I was in so much pain mm-hmm. but uh, are you, know, you in pain now? No absolutely not no I mean you know well, uh, just i put on a few pounds mm-hmm. but just for not exercising, but no um no, no 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 my heart's all right I go for tests I'm a vet, so I go for tests all the time. But for some reason, that's been on my mind, It gets towards the day, you know, and I and I kind of say, Jesus, why would I be saved here? I could, you know, I could, I'm not saying I was a bad guy or a good but you know, I went through life and did uh, something right, did something wrong, you know.
4: Yeah, you know what I'm getting, Joseph? What? Is that, uh, first of all, you didn't die because it wasn't your time. Right. Okay. And second of all, what I'm getting is that you've had some experiences in your life that you need to write about.
2: You,
0: you know what, you're the first one that, my name is Joseph, so they know me on that station. You know, ma'am, I was a fisherman for 30 years, and you talk about psychic things. You can When you're on that boat, and that boat's rocking back and forth, and them waves are coming over, and that can really be hypnotic, you know, mm-hmm. see a lot of things. Well, anyways... I became a business agent, and I became a whole bunch of things. Uh, And I remember all the stories that I heard. Like, I'm 67, so I heard the stories from the 40s and the 50s. And I said, for the life of me, I couldn't think, you know, we're like a a breed that's going away. You remember, like, the Second World War veterans, and they get stories. There are so many stories in New Bedford. Yeah, you have to
4: write about them.
0: Well, you know, ma'am, I I wanted to. I really did, but I'm going to tell you to be true. I was one of the controversial figures down in there. I was a union agent. I ended up going to to jail, which wrecked everything. It's a long story, but the stories that are down there, so I I know a lot of friends of mine. I asked them, I said, why isn't someone at least talking to the fishermen and get these old stories and put them on print? guys' names, Art of Sabbath, Art of Poor. They'll tell you stories that are, that are amazing and true to life stories for we, So we're losing that whole flavor right. of the industry. Right. The, the new bunch is coming up from the 80s. And, and now I just lay down a bed and I hear you. I listen to the program. You made so much sense to me. And I, <laughs> I, I, said, me you know, I said, I'm going to call just maybe to relate that story, whether it's interesting Or it's not interesting. Well,
4: Joseph, it's very interesting. And what I think you should do is you need to write out these stories.
1: (laughs) That's why you're thinking about it, Joseph, because you're the one that has to do it.
0: You're the one that
4: has to do it. And use a pen name. You know, don't use your real name. No, 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 no. Use a pen name.
0: And, and, uh, you know, I did think about that. Matter of fact, as I called up the station, and I liked that there was a a captain on there. And I said, look. If you can get the stories from anybody, we just ask that don't take it. If anybody ever wrote a book, we would take the money and donate it to the fishermen's families. There you go. You, you know what I mean? No. You, it, it, what I know and my knowledge, and see, I was on both ends of the business. I owned the boat. I first was, I was fisherman, owned the boat, and then I went into the union. I was with the Teamsters Union. So you uh-huh. can you can I tell both into, sides. The only yeah, part, both sides, yeah. So, but the only part with me is I always looked sixty sixty seven. I was born drawn in, drawn in the wrong era, I thought. <laughs> really, I thought I should have been in the 20s, uh-huh. because I had the 20s mentality in a place where a guy could beat you over the head with a, with
2: a suitcase.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, a little briefcase. People you're wonderful, Joseph.
4: I, I think you have some wonderful stories, and I really, truly feel you should write them out. And if you don't feel you can write, maybe put them on a tape recorder. And yes. have somebody transcribe it with you, and maybe like a ghost writer, you know, well, which I, means as someone who does this professionally.
0: Ma'am, I, to help I feel you. even I feel even better talking to you. Uh, good. I, don't, I don't know if that's good. That's well, good. I don't know I'm what, glad. Your, what your feelings are, but you can see the way I'm talking. I'm a very honest man. I would have no reason to tell you any flip-flop stories just
1: straight in front is that, of
0: me. I, that me? is that a fishing joke is that a fishing joke yeah <laughs> I, I gotta tell you though some of the stories you guys would uh you'd roll over laughing I
4: can uh, imagine yeah. so
0: we had, don't forget we had guys there that uh, were out here during the second world war picking up bombs oh uh, so we could, we went through a whole group and when I was young 1819 and I'm sitting at the table and I'm just a little skinny kid holding on for dear life. And there's these guys there bending over like tree limbs, you know, and I'm holding on for my dear life. Yeah, I'm saying, oh man, I'm,
1: <laughs> Joseph, I don't want to, I don't want to cut you off, but we got to take a break. Okay, listen, and, I'm, and I got to just... say, save it for the book, so we can all read it in the listen,
0: book. I'm, I'm glad I really talked to you. I really am. <laughs>
2: thank right, you, thanks. And
1: If you thank need you anything from much. us, Joseph, you know how to get a hold of us. Yes, okay. All right. thank you. Bye bye. All right, we are going to take a really quick break. When we come back, we have a caller on the line. We'll get to you. We'll also take your calls. We got about ten minutes left, so get on the phone now. 508 996 0500, 508 291 0500. If you'd like to talk with Annette Martin, don't forget her websites closure4u.com. That's closure, the number four, the letter u.com, and Annette-martin.com. Both linked up on SpookySouthCoast.com. We will be right back here on Spooky South Coast.
0: Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky
1: South Coast is back. All right, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa. And we are talking with Psychic Annette Martin. And if you'd like to get in on the conversation, and maybe get a reading in the ten minutes or so we have left, 508 nine nine six zero five hundred five oh eight two nine one zero five hundred. We've already got some calls lined up here, so let's go right to them. Good evening. You are on Spooky South Coast with another Anna- Martin, how are you doing? Hello? Hi, how are you?
4: Hi, I'm fine. Uh my name is Phyllis. Hi, Phyllis. Hi. I'd just like to know about my health. You want to know about your health?
5: Yeah.
4: Okay, let me see here. Which state do you live in? Massachusetts. You're in Massachusetts. Okay. Yeah. hmm Okay. Uh, I'm getting some things um, in the bronchial area.
2: Oh, yeah?
5: Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> you, don't, uh, you don't sound
1: happy with that, Phyllis.
5: No, I'm not.
1: <laughs> Have you been having problems? or?
4: No, no. Not mm-hmm. uh, yet. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you uh, cough a lot? Uh, yes, I do. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, you know what, I'm thinking that, um, and what I'm feeling, Phyllis, is that you may have some allergies. Uh huh. I don't know
5: about them, though.
4: You don't know about them. Well, I no, think that no. that's what's causing, you know, all the coughing and all the phlegm that's going down there into the bronchial tubes. Ah. Okay, because it's yeah. due to allergies. Oh. So what I would do is I would go and, and see an allergist and, maybe have some tests done because i'm getting that you have um some mold in your house oh and also dust mites oh you know what those
5: are in the bed and things
4: yeah uh-huh yeah. and yeah and in oh. the carpets um i'm oh. i'm seeing a lot of dust in the carpets and some of the drapes and some mold around the edges wow and it's a new place i'm living in so I don't know.
1: <laughs> did, the, did the cough kind of come, come in conjunction with moving in there?
4: I don't think so.
1: No, I think you've been coughing quite a while.
4: Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's good news, though. I mean, if, you, if you're coughing and, and you find out that it might just be something that's uh, allergy-related, right. that's easy to treat.
4: Absolutely. right. <laughs> so Absolutely. You definitely want to make so... sure
1: you get on that.
4: Right. Yeah. You need to get on it,
1: Phyllis. Okay. okay. Very
4: good. Thanks, Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah.
1: Bye-bye. All right. Let's go to the next call. Good evening. You are on Spooky South Coast with Annette Martin. How are you? Hello? Hello? Hi. You're on with Annette Martin. Oh, hello. Uh,
4: my name is Lillian. What can you tell me about myself? I'm Say your name again, honey. Lillian. Lillian. Yes. Okay. What is it that you, an area that you want me to look at? Well, do you see anything good coming my way? <laughs> Do I see anything good coming your way? (laughs) Okay, let me see here. Have you Um, you had
1: had a bad run lately? Is that? I'm sorry. Had some bad luck lately, Lillian. Is that the? Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah, Um, it's kind of like I see things are going to kind of stay where they are for a little while. Mm -hmm. And what you need to be is just really cautious and really careful about how much money you're spending. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I think that you'll get through it. Okay?
5: Yeah.
4: And I feel like what I'm seeing is the end of this year, 2009, things are going to be better for you. Mm-hmm. Are you working? No. I'm uh, retired. You're retired. Yeah. Okay. Um, but have you, I think there's going to be something that someone's going to ask you to do around the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. And that may bring you in a little bit more money.
1: hmm Okay? Okay, thank you. All right, thank honey,
4: you hang good. in there.
1: There, we have another call here. Okay, bye. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with Annette Martin. How are you? Hello. Hello. Hi. What's your name? Linda. Linda, do you have a question for Annette?
6: Um, I would just like to tell her that I've been having dreams constantly of my parents who have passed away. Uh-huh. And... Are they trying to tell me a little bit, or are they trying to contact me in some way? Yes, uh huh. When we do have dreams
4: about our parents who've passed away, uh, generally they're prob- most of the time, Linda, they're probably coming to tell you that they're okay.
6: Now, well, are they-, they ha- that Are they coming together? Um. once they did come together, and my mother said to me, that um, she wanted me to know that everything was fine. Exactly. She was everything was fine. She wasn't supposed to die, but oh well. And uh, she just wanted me to pass on information to my siblings that she loved us very much.
4: Very good. That's wonderful. That's absolutely it, wonderful.
6: I cried for days. <laughs> well, it was it was a visit. It wasn't like a dream but it was a dream i was sleeping well that, yeah. that's what i've
1: had happen to me is they've come and they've a, i've actually had sit down conversations with my grandmother in dreams really and, and walked away from the experience feeling that that's exactly what it was it was a visit
4: it, right uh-huh mm-hmm. exactly but what it is it, it's like a, a vision and so they're coming and see the best time that they can come to see us is during our sleep state because as we were talking earlier, Tim, about the conscious mind, the left side of the brain is yak, yak, yakking all the time. Mm-hmm. And when we're sleeping, that goes to sleep. And so then the right brain becomes active and in the sleep time. And so that is when they can come in and converse with us
6: and,
1: and we can see things. Hey. All right. Thank you very much.
6: Well, thank you very much.
1: Oh, and this this is what we do here. We try to make the help help people find answers to the questions that they have.
6: Great. Thank you. Have a good night. Good night.
1: Have a good night. Thank you. All right, and now we're coming up just about on the end of the show, um, but we do want to make sure we mention again the the books uh, that people can pick up. First of all, if they want to learn how to develop these abilities for themselves discovering your psychic world is your workbook that you've kind of put out for people to learn how to do that and then you said there's also CDs as well they can get all that on your website
4: yes they can uh huh on annette Martin, uh, net-martin.com
1: and and the new biography uh, written by James N Fry is Gift of the White Light and is that that's also available through your site as well
4: it is or on amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com
1: and as always you know we recommend if anybody wants to to get that book uh, we'll have it up on SpookySouthCoast.com through our uh, Amazon store to make it easy for everybody to find. Uh, they can get everything centrally located right there. So thank you, Annette, for joining us. Uh, it was great speaking with you. We really look forward to having you on again sometime in the future. Thank you, Tim. It was a delight. And and we want to make sure that we can get you down here so you can check out Lizzie Boyden's house because I'd really like to get your your impressions of what's going on there and see if, you know, maybe, I, I think the way that you approach things, and I think that uh, just the way you've approached some of these cases that you've worked on, you might get a response out of uh, the the quote-unquote occupants of that house that other people may not have. So, Yes, I think that might be quite possible. Have you ever worked on a on a 115-year-old murder case before, or has they kind of just been more recent than that?
4: Uh, well, you know, on a, a murder case, <laughs> no. <laughs> the oldest one was 35 years old. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, well this one's a little bit older, so it might be more of a challenge, but we'll see right. if we can, uh, get something going. I would right. love to. Thanks, Annette. I just, I want to talk to you about one thing off the air when we go off, so. Okay, great. Right, thank, thank you, thanks. Tim. And then uh, we'll just put you on hold there a minute. Thank you. And uh, remember, folks, next week we will have Dr. Lewis Turry here as our guest. Uh, he is going to be speaking with us about his predictions for the new year, uh, the Obama presidency, what's going on with this crazy economy. Uh, and he'll also take your calls as well. And uh, if you'd like to check out his website, you can go to uh, Dr. Turry, T-U-I-R dot com and we'll have that linked up on Spooky South Coast as well so you can get an idea of Dr. Turi's approach ahead of time and uh, we'll be back next Saturday night at 10 o'clock to talk with him and talk with you as well. And then all the great shows we have coming up in February as well so stay tuned because uh, it's going to be an action-packed year. So uh, until then for Matt Costa, for Matt Moniz who's not here but he's he's somewhere out in the field and we hope he's he's safe and and that uh, everything went all right in that investigation. Uh, We want you all to stay spooktacular.
0: Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least... Until yesterday begins again,
2: tomorrow, 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 tomorrow,
0: tomorrow. I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, does it?